and welcome back to the Grand Slam Tennis Podcast. Um, and it, it very much is a welcome back because it has been some time. So if you have forgotten who we are, uh, my name is Rob. And as ever, I'm joined by my esteemed doubles partner. And the reason for the delayed uh, episode release this week, Ricky Borman. Hello. Hello, listeners. Apologies, profuse apologies. As, as uh, Rob Rob has said there, that's probably my fault that uh, we've not been able to record. Um, married life somewhat got in the way. Uh, weddings do take up quite a lot of time, it turns out, as do small honeymoons and various <laughs> other sort of uh, consolidations of married life. So, uh, yeah, apologies for that. I um, mean, in your defence, it was an excellent wedding. Oh, thank so you, So I will, I will give you that. You know what? I've had nothing but compliments, so that can only be a good thing, right? <laughs> I am I am the proverbial ostrich burying my head in the sand to anything that may or may not have gone wrong with the wedding and in my head everything was great and I had a great time and that is I'm sure you'll agree the most important thing <laughs> well the listeners might not agree because we haven't put out an episode for a while I'm sure they've missed us greatly <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure, like not sure how you've carried like, on like a hole in the head <laughs> Um, but it has been a little while. We did our Wimbledon, sort of mid-Wimbledon wrap-up and look ahead. And then we kind of left everybody hanging. <laughs> yeah, we did a bit, didn't we? So, yeah. I think that's enough apologies. Um, did you? But you did enjoy the wedding? Just I did, sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what was your favourite bit? Um, well, my favourite bit was... Um, Probably getting up and performing, but I think that was probably everyone else's least favourite. It had been a long day by that point. <laughs> it had been a long day. What about, did you get to fire a cannon? I did, oh yes, I did fire a cannon. Who did you fire, did you fire a cannon with, fired uh, with Lisa or Michelle? Yes, Lisa. Lisa, you fired a cannon yeah, with, and yeah. uh, first time firing a cannon? It was, yes. See, unique, unique events that happen yeah. at the yeah, yeah. wedding. Um, but, but going back to it, so we've... Um, we had the Wimbledon final. Uh, we did. We had Halep win the women's pretty comprehensively. Yeah. In the end, what was remarkable about that final, Rob? Well, we both predicted her to uh, win. I mean, that is a <laughs> first. Two and two against Serena Williams, one of the all-time greats. Um, I think Halep is well equipped to be one of the all-time greats as well. She has um, such an incredible physique uh, for any tennis player, especially a female tennis player. Um, she's so resilient, and I can see her, you know, winning many more tournaments for many years to come. And it was brilliant to watch her win this Wimbledon. Well, absolutely, and and you know, arguably on one of the biggest stages of of world tennis. Um, uh, and Would you against, say it's the biggest stage, Wimbledon? It, Wimbledon is possibly the big. I mean, it's possibly the biggest for us being from Britain. But I think there is an argument to say that it is one of the most prestigious, and if not the most widely broadcast. I mean, I might get the figures completely wrong, but um, it it possibly is the biggest stage of world tennis. And for her to play possibly the greatest ever female tennis player of all time, or certainly in the modern era. Um, to, to win two and two is quite incredible. I have no idea if Ceausescu's Romania broadcasted Wimbledon back in the day <laughs> um, to, uh, to the Romanian public, but uh, if they did, no doubt Hallett would have been watching. But I think this is that was an amuse-bouche, a prelude. Not that women's <laughs> tennis is a prelude, but in this instance it was between what was a fairly tasty... Uh, semi-final and final for Roger oh, yeah. so the semi-final against Rafa I think 
I, I mean, I, I tipped. I thought Rafa was going to win the semi-final. Yeah, well, I, I think... Um, yeah, I think a few of us thought that. I mean, he... In the quarter, Kyrgios he, put up a bit of a fight, but it was, in the end... It was. I watched that, the Kyrgios-Nadal match, and it was a great game of tennis, um, but it was fairly routine, really. I think that the Nadal had just looked so fluid, so fit, so on point in, during the French Open, and then he carried that form through into Wimbledon throughout the entire week, uh, or pretty much the entire week, that it, you know, it was very difficult to see how Federer... Um, you know, was gonna who who is aging? I think there are signs of aging going on there. He's slowing down his his covering across the his covering across the court is is nowhere near what it once was, and and that's to be accepted in a thirty seven year old's body or whatever. Uh, but given how Nadal almost looked like he'd reached the pinnacle of his physical kind of attributes that we've seen over the last couple of years, he's now completely fully physically kind of in tune with his body, recovered from everything. That for me was I. Th- I felt he was going to win that tournament. I was surprised when Federer came through it. it turned mm. out to be a bridge too far though um, for Federer, possibly because he came and unstuck ultimately against Novak. A superb Novak, it must be said. He, I think. See, I think there's a few. There's a few things going on here. Of the three. Federer has the elegance and, you know, to anybody who I think has never watched that much tennis before is just a sports fan. I think I think they are either one or the other. Most of them are either in Camp Federer or Camp, Camp Nadal. Yes. Nadal is the physical attributes guy. He is the power. He is the yeah. ripping over the tennis ball. He's, I've never, I've only had the privilege of watching him live once and it wasn't in a particularly competitive game. And even then, like the fizz on the ball is is remarkable to to witness in the person. Federer is balletic, is the most natural sportsman you ever speak uh, see. Even at a very low amateur level of sport, if someone just has time, just a natural thing that they just yeah. have time to do whatever it is that they want to do. Federer is that guy. Uh, he just, you know, if you you could watch watch him at any level, just oozes class because he just yeah. seems to have that time automatically. So those are the two guys who I think for, for most sports fans uh, who casually dip into tennis around the Grand Slam season and maybe the odd big Masters tournament or if they're, you know, home favourite, say Andy Murray in this country is on court, then they might tune in as well. If um, if those two are the physical versus the balletic, Novak Djokovic is the mental. Yes, Jovat Matt is the mentalist. He is psychologically so superb. Yeah. Yes, he's kind of made of rubber. Yes, he's very elastic and, and his defensive tennis is... And he's actually, for my money, probably the best athlete of the three. I think that possibly is a, another debate. But yeah, I'm gonna I, mean, up, I, I know, well, I know where say, you're say, coming say, from, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this bombshell now. I think that this match is the indicator... That when the dust settles, Novak Djokovic will have the best record and will possibly be regarded as the greatest of all time. I mean, that is quite a grenade. Well, that is quite the grenade. I'm aware that there are lots of people who are actually not anti Nadal or anti Federer, despite kind of sitting on one of the either camps. But there's this kind of 
theory, this thing that no one likes Djokovic. He, I not, quite like Djokovic. I I'm a massive fan of Djokovic because of the fan. Uh, sorry, because of the mental uh, element that he has in this game. As you well know, as my esteemed doubles partner, <laughs> I am not the most talented sportsman that's ever lived, and nor will I ever be. And so I always felt that if I, you know, we play a competitive sport, it's a gladiatorial sport, it's a 1v1 or a 2v2 sport, you have to find a way to win. And win it, like the, the way tennis is designed, it is only designed to find a winner. You know, that's, that is the whole purpose of the sport. Yeah. And no one all draws. There's certainly no draws. There's no draws in tennis, although uh, they gave it a good go, didn't they, Djokovic and uh, Federer? Yeah. <laughs> um, and and for me, the uh, the fact that if you're mentally better than your opponent, if you're physically equal, then be mentally better. In fact, if you're physically imp- inferior, whether that be yeah. physiologically or skill level inferior, you can still, you win, can still win by win. being mentally better. And Djokovic is. For for those of us who are limited, uh, technically and physically, he's a bit of a standard bearer because yeah. he he doesn't dominate on either of those two fronts. But where he is absolutely superb is in the between the ears. Oh, and, completely. And, yeah. and and so and so that's why that I think I think that tiebreak as daft as it sounds because it was ridiculously close and it was as close to a draw as you get in tennis. Yeah. That tiebreak just sows the seeds for me. I'd always regarded Federer as the greatest of all time. Admittedly, I you know, don't have a great catalogue of... It's not like I'm 90 years old and looking back at watching 80 years of watching tennis. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old, looking back at maybe 28, 20, oh, 26, 27 years of... Uh, sorry, 26, 25 years of watching tennis from the earliest memories yeah, of the yeah, mid-90s. Yeah. So, so I don't have a great catalogue, but I've always thought Federer would be the... The, the standout favourite, I think. I now think Djokovic, a a, might quantifiably be the best in that he'll win more majors, more majors than anyone, and b I think he might actually be the best. Well, despite I think not being the most. Well, stylish. I think I think there's there's it's a really interesting point, and it, yeah, it, between the head, he between the ears, he's immensely tough. You you also Google, you go on YouTube and search. Um, sort of Djokovic on sort of lower ranked events um, and, and Andy Murray says this as well that he's actually one of the really good guys with a good sense of humour on the tour and you see him on court doing impressions of Nadal pulling his shorts out of his bum crack and uh, you know doing the John McEnroe you cannot be serious in the middle of a, a tour match like he's got a sense of humour about him as well Um but yeah, going on to your point, I mean, you look at Federer, he's 37 Seven. and he's got 20 yeah. slams? 20 slams. Nadal's on 18. 18 and he's 32, 33? I think he's the same age as Djokovic, I think they're both 30, 33, 33 or 32. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and Djokovic is on 16 and is 32. And if you think about it, I mean, Federer's... Probably not realistically now got a Grand Slam in him. It's difficult to see. I mean, it's he may to, he may prove us wrong. He may prove us wrong, and he has done. You know, people may have thought that about four years ago, and then he had he had a, a, a fantastic season a couple of years back. But you'd like to think that Nadal is possibly and most likely going to get at least twenty. 
He's going to win the next. He's probably going to win the next. He's probably going to win the next two French Open. So if it ends up Nadal being quantifiably the greatest player of the modern era with more Grand Slams than Federer, I think for me. I'm going to get lots of abuse for this, but I think that would be a bit of a travesty because currently out of 18 Grand Slams, 12 are one surface. And so it just shows quite a one-sided, and a complete and utter dominance of that surface. But you look at the, the Grand Slams, one between uh, Federer and, um, uh, and uh, Djokovic, they've both got one French each which they've had to take in the Nadal era. So that shows what they must have done to get that French. Um, but they've got a much more even spread across the hard and the grass. But that And so just... I think if, if there's going to be someone that's going to overtake Federer in the number of slams, I, or if Nadal overtakes Federer, I just hope that Djokovic overtakes Nadal because I think across the board... He is a better tennis player. But, so, so just on that, I, I get what you're saying about Nadal, Nadal has dominated on the clay. And I, I actually am starting to, not just starting to, I think there's very little debate that on a surface, a given individual being the best that there is, that Nadal is the best combination of surface and player there's been. I think, you know, you think back to some great combinations, Sampras... You know, on grass, Federer on grass. I think that Nadal is demonstrably, is quantifiably better than those two on uh, on a given surface. His record is so phenomenal, and he's barely lost a match at the French. Just on that point, so I just looked it up. Uh, Djokovic, I appreciate that they're split across the Aussie and the US. Yeah, but he has ten of his sixteen on hard. But how many how many Wimbledons has he got? Uh, he has five Wimbledons. Djokovic. Djokovic has five yeah. Wimbledons, and he has one French. Yeah. So, you know, they've so all I, got I, a career. I mean, I, I but 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 obviously, but Djokovic, but naturally... sorry, sorry, Nadal, Nadal has has two Wimbledons and multiple hard courts. So there is an argument to be made that actually he has. Uh, a greater spread across the surface, surfaces, even though he's taken 12 on his... He can only win one major on his preferred surface because there is only one. Um, so, you know, just because Djokovic is actually more of a hard-court player, he obviously has greater opportunities to win. So I, I think the, the, the thing about... Just because Nadal is so dominant on the clay doesn't necessarily mean he's one-dimensional. My point is... I, th- I think that N- I- I- I've never be- I've never worn to Nadal. I must admit, like I, I just haven't. He- I- I- I'm never somebody. I prefer I prefer the skillful and the tactical or the uh, you know the mental side of the game over the physical. Possibly yeah, because I'm, I'm, I, as a player, have never had the physical. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm with like. you. I've always struggled to to root for to root for Nadal. Um, you know. I, I, I like the maverick, I like the skill, I like the audacity, um, perhaps more so than in yourself, you know, appreciating much more the mental side of the game, hence why, uh, you know, we'll come on to it later, but I, I, I like watching the maverick players, you know, the, the Nick Kyrgios's, and I know you're a fan as well, we both are, 
but um, but yeah, but like you said, I mean, uh, I've never used brute force to to get through a match. Um, <laughs> You've tried. I've, 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 <laughs> I've tried. But so no, I've always been able to relate to Nadal and his style of play, um, and also he he's so. Um, you know, with his with his peculiarities and his, his sort of OCD, he's quite a difficult person to engage with on the court because he's just so sort of in his own world of putting his water bottle labels all facing the right direction and, you know, touching his face about eight times before he serves that you don't really get a chance to interact with him as a person on court. Whereas Federer and Djokovic, you do see a bit more of that character on court. I think if you, if you played him in a club match uh, or the equivalent player at your... At your level, I know that's kind of hard to uh, maybe I haven't articulated that the best. But if you were to play someone who had his, his idiosyncrasies and was better than you, but to the degree that's relative to a tour player, that Nadal is sorry, that Nadal's better than a tour player, to, you know, the guy that on the opposite side you can compete against him, but he's winning uh, that kind of level, you'd you'd play him, you'd lose to him, and then you'd spend the next hour in the bar telling all your mates about how ridiculous the match was. You know, because of because of all of his weird quirks. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not anti Nadal. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, he is a remarkable athlete, and he we are as all tennis fans are remarkably blessed to to live in an era to to watch tennis in an area where a it's broadcasted so well. Uh, you know, HD quality television, good coverage of most of the most of the tournaments around the world. So well, especially we, we can, now, this the last year or so with all of the ATP on Amazon Prime. I mean, we're currently watching Carl Edmund versus um, Daniel Medvedev. Uh, in the Edmund's, Cins- Edmund's in getting the, hammered. In the, in the Cincinnati. I mean, he's lost the first set too, and he's a, he's a breakdown in the second. Um, but, you know, all the ATP tour is, men's tour is broadcast on Amazon Prime, as is quite a lot of the women's WTA. So, yeah, we are. Like you said, we're very lucky in, but, in this But era. I think, coming back to it, I think, I think that... Uh, maybe it's a personal thing, but for the first time, I felt that you know Federer was undisputably the greatest player of all time. Yeah. I'm now thinking that actually Nadal, uh, sorry, that uh, Djokovic, Novak Djokovic might be. Um, and you know, let's face it, if he's got, if he's got another three years, he's 32 now. I just looked it up. So he's, yeah. if he's got another three years, don't play until 36. He's got six more chances. To win a major, he probably has to win. If you can't, if you exclude the French yeah. and count Wimbledon, US, and Aussie, he ha- he's six. Uh, sorry, nine more chances to win a major, and he needs to win four of them. Yeah. So that that is that's a uh, that's that's one hard court slam a year, in effect. Um, yeah. Plus plus a Wimbledon or something else thrown in. Who would back against him? Well, I think this brings us actually well, to this, the next I, I point. I was literally really. about to say that this brings us quite neatly onto the next point, that that topic of conversation kind of is, you know, looking at the next three years and if Djokovic is going to overtake Federer, he's got to win four of the next nine, nine slams. If I'm saying, yeah, nine or um, twelve. Nine or twelve slams. Um, that's... That's if it's just being competed between, you know, him, Nadal and a couple of others. And a couple of others. So what this actually leads us on to is, you know, when is someone, the next generation, 
going to knock these guys off their pedestal. Well, you sound, you sound a bit frustrated almost in a way. It is a bit frustrating. Because you back Sitsipas to have a big year. And yeah. that kind of... He's probably he's shown the most promise or among, you know, amongst the highest... Well, he, got off to, he, he got off to such a great start and he's been a bit disappointing since. He's done, he's done a bit he's, in he's uh, done okay. some of the master stuff. He's done okay. Um, As a Sitsipas fan, what would you give him out of ten? What, this year? Yeah. Fulfilment of potential this year? Seven. A seven? I think that's generous. I think his YouTube videos are given eight. <laughs> I, think, I think his tennis are probably give a six. So maybe oh, I could round it to a seven. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd I give mean, him a six. Just a C. 60%. He's just about achieving. Yeah. I mean, if it was a university degree, you'd just give him a 2-1. But you might have to negotiate the last grade, the last percentage with a you know a module, uh, his dissertation tutor or something like yeah. that. Yeah, he's uh, he's for me, and I think he's the, the the frustrating thing is I think he's the brightest of them. I mean, there's kind of if we if we're taking it, you've got oh, no, I mean, I've, you've I got think... generation, you've got the next, which is the X, which is the next generation, right? Which was yeah. the first builders, the the Dimitrovs, the Dimitrov, oh, Dominic my... Team, Milos Raonic, and they've done nothing. I mean, they really have. I know Raonic has made made a Wimbledon final, got hammered by Murray, well, but beaten yeah, soundly he... by Murray, and well, any time he's got, any time he's got to the top end of a of a tour, and he comes across a top five. He gets destroyed. I mean, they all, they all, forgive me if you listen to this with kids in the car, but they all shit themselves. <laughs> and, you know, they, you know, there's the odd result here and there. Team, team didn't shit himself, to be fair, at the, he, he didn't, he didn't bottle it at the French. But he, just he was got completely kind of, outplayed. Well, 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 they went one set all. Yeah. And the Dahl, I'm not even sure he went up one gear. He might have gone up two. Yeah. He literally just dropped, dropped, you know, dropped the clutch, shifted down. And when oh I'm up here now, this is where the level is. Have you got have you got a hope or a prayer of catching me up here? And and team was like oh I was, I was actually a, a gear above what I had in the last set. No, I certainly can't match no. up here. <laughs> Goodbye, congratulations, the title's yours. It, it was it's such a long way away. I mean that was startling really to mm. watch that that Nadal lost. You know he rearranged his bottles at the change of ends having lost the set. <laughs> Came back out and just went right. You know. This is this is proper tennis now. Yeah. We've had a warm up. We're a set all, right? Can you can you play proper tennis? And he was nowhere near it. So ne- Operation Next Gen fail, like completely fail. Yeah, uh, I'd be agreed. amazed if any of them actually get uh, actually get a uh, a slam. The yeah. only one that's remotely close is Team on Clay, but he's not he, that but, close. But, but he's As not that out. close to Nadal. As um, we found out, he's not that but close. he is the best of the rest. So so the next step down is is uh, sometimes called uh, opera, uh, Generation Y, and this is the Sitsipas, Sitsipas Geraliazine-Tiafo guys. Um, Shapovalov. Who we saw one win earlier today. Do you see any of them? I mean, what, what, what category are sort of Medvedev and Kachanov in? Probably Generation Y as they're well, probably, I guess. They're about, well, they're about 24, aren't they? They're, so slightly they're, they're kind of in the, the Kyrgios age bracket. The sort of twenty fours. Okay, so 23s. the in, so the in betweeners we could call, uh, which is a British uh, uh, yeah. sitcom. If, if, very, if anyone's very interested. start of the year, I thought Sitsipas was going to be the first person to 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 break that duck, um, and be the first of that generation to to get a Grand Slam. Maybe not 
this year, but he was going to be the next one. S- having watched him and someone else, I now think that someone else is going to be the next, is going to be the first of that group to get a Grand Slam. And for me, that's Auger Aliazim. He, of all of these lot, like you said, that the, 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 they're like rabbits in headlights when they come up against the, um, the top players. If there's one player that is not phased by who he plays, if he gets beat, it's because he gets beat. But he's not scared. And Auger Aliazim, so, his demeanour on court, his attitude, his talent, his work ethic on the court, I think he's... Where, where was one. it where his surf fell apart? Was it Miami or Indian Wells? Whichever one was second, because the first one he had an immense run. Surf fell apart and lost in a winnable game. I can't remember who he lost to. Um, but 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 not not necessarily bad signs. I mean, he is only what nineteen, twenty. Um, he's a, he's a touch younger than 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 the other guys we've mentioned, Tiafo, and that we profiled. In the men's game. And as you say, the, these two conversations are linked, right? Because if no one steps up, if nobody steps up, then Djokovic, I think, will go past everybody. He, yes. he, I think he'll win 21 or 22. Yeah. I don't see... I don't see Federer winning another. He might win one more somewhere. Yeah. You know, might have a big final beat, you know, beat somebody good or maybe... Djokovic isn't fully fit, or one of yeah, them so isn't so one of the one of them kind of comes up, comes pulls up, up and, then, and then and then loses to Federer in the final. That that could happen. That could easily happen at the US. Um, so I'd, I see ma- ma- maximum one more for Fed. Yeah, I I see I see plenty more for Djokovic, and I see I see jo- uh, no, um, Nadal winning winning as many French as he enters really. Um, it's going to take a hell of a thing to, to for him to get knocked off his perch. So mm. therefore, we are talking really of Nadal finishing on twenty one comfortably. Yeah. And then it's how many hardcore players can stop Novak on hardcore. And, and as we say, just be, purely because of the way that way that the tournaments work. I mean, Djokovic is is a hard court specialist and has the greatest opportunity, but has the greatest competition. Yeah, because all of say, the others are probably more geared to hard court. Yeah, than I mean, you look too. at you look at the style of tennis they play, where they've sort of been brought up training, uh, particularly well, economically particularly, makes sense, right? but also particularly, um, you know, Shapovalov, Tiafo, Ojer Aliazim, all being um, Canadian and American. Um, you know, it's it's the home of the hard court. Section of the tour, but it also um, makes it also makes the greatest but, yeah, sense. Yeah, when you've got yeah, I mean financially, if you're going to you know if, if essentially um, a quarter of the seasons or not even a quarter of the season, you know, a sixth of the seasons grass, a quarter of the seasons clay, and the rest is hard. It makes sense to well, yeah, exactly. to, to specialize. And the big um, and the biggest market for tennis at the moment is is North America, yeah. where all of the hardcore. Uh, I think all of the Masters 1000 events are on hardcore in America, uh, off the top of my head. You know, it, it makes sense to be a hardcore specialist if you've got the option of, of choosing or if you were thinking about it tactically. So it's no surprise. Yeah. And obviously you get more points. 
yeah. um, for that. So you've got a higher ranking and therefore you've got easier draws and, and, and the replenishment and, and use of resources that kind of goes with that, the efficiency that goes with that, means that you are less tired going into matches and therefore have a greater chance of winning. Um, and by the way, Edmund has broken back and has won 11 out of the last 15 points. What do you make of these kind of copper shorts? I quite like them, actually. Mm, it's they're quite, a bit they're rogue. quite, they're they're a bit quite rogue. conspicuous when when someone gets quite sweaty. Yeah, I mean, I, I was mean, watching I was watching the uh, Tiafo Monfils game um, earlier this evening, and I mean, it, Tiafo looked like he'd just pulled pulled himself out of a swimming pool. His shorts were so wet. But what a game that was! I mean, I, he what went a break. That one? Well, he went a break down in the first set, and then battled back. He was five three down, broke back, came back to six all, one on the tie break. Nine, seven. I want to say. Yeah. Um, and then went a break up early doors and won six three or six four. I think in the second set. Okay. And at the end, you know, Monfils, who was playing some good tennis, actually just kind of shook his hand and was like, "Fair play, you just outplayed me." Well, that's very girl, very girl, Monfils, isn't it? Le uh, Hashtag Lemov. So, I mean, those are kind of two big talking points. I suppose it leads us. We talked a lot about men's tennis today, and I think I think we'll probably probably st- just looking at the time stick stick with it. it. Leads us to the U.S. Open. Well, we've missed out our boy, our boy Nick Kyrgios well, winning surely Washington. That, surely that feeds into the that feeds into the into the the, the element. So yeah, I know, but I just so have to Novak Djok- that in. So Novak Djokovic is my pick for the U.S. Yeah. I, have you got any? Have you got anything? Are you going to I mean, rail against me? There, like or? all of my heart wants Nick Kyrgios to win, and and despite a really really strong week um, in Washington, um, and he plays unbelievable tennis, and and he won that tournament actually all pretty comfortably. He then didn't do so well the following week. Well, you got a hammer guy by Carl Edmund, but. Um, has he got the mental capacity to win a major at this point? No, he doesn't. Well, it's effectively, can he concentrate for two weeks? No. Can, can he well, do... He con- well, you just proved it. He concentrated for a week, did really well, won the tournament. Got on a plane. Went, got on a plane, went straight to the next tournament, out first round, second round? Something like that. Um, so, no, I don't... As much as I'd like to back him, I, I don't think I... Can, I'm not, I can't pick him to win. As as much as I'd love him to do that. So so but, of the other challenges, who else is going to challenge Novak? Um, I think the closest challenger is 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 going to be um, probably. Well, actually, on current form, Medvedev's got to a couple of finals. Actually, in the last few weeks, Daniel Medvedev, he is probably the most consistent person at the end of a tournament of this age range. Other than that, um, I'm going to go with Ojeda Aliazim to have a big tournament. I mean, that's that's a uh, that's a big big statement. I mean, 19, he's not too far away from from home, I suppose, in Montreal. Which yeah. is, in, is, is Montreal, isn't he? I'm fairly sure, based. Mm, oh, that possibly. might be wrong. But uh, he, you know, from from Canada at least. But like my side of tennis, go big or go home, right? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who who else. I I think Sitsipas, given his tournament at the Aussie, big game tournament, 
He owes. Mm. He owes his fan. He owes a little bit. He owes his vloggers a. Uh, you know, a his subscribers a a little bit um, more because he didn't turn up at Wimbledon. Uh, I mean, it's the a lot of the guys I like are are you know Francis uh, the guys we profile Francis Tiafalo, yeah. Tiafalo, uh, Tiafo, sorry, um, Shipilov. Um, there are there are, there are play. I mean, then you go through the. The Dimitrovs and the Raoniches and the I can't see them getting anywhere. I mean, I see people like Karen Kachanov and uh, Daniel Medvedev doing better than the Raoniches and the Dimitrovs. And then, and then it's can. So we've already kind of profile. We've already kind of gone through Kyrgios. Kyrgios can't put it together over two weeks at the moment until he shows that he can. Well, he did. He did come out after Washington, so that, that was his best week of tennis. He cut out during that tournament the late night FIFA sessions, the drinking in the pub after and before a game. Um, and whilst he still doesn't have a coach, you know, he said he did concentrate on focusing for that tournament. Um, and he said it himself, "There's still a long way to go." He knows that, but he said Washington was a was a good start. And he didn't lose the flair. I mean, in the quarterfinal and the semifinal against someone in Sitsipas, I think it was in the semifinal, he was serving on match point. And both times he picked out someone from the crowd, asked them where he should serve, whether it was wide, tee or body. They, they shouted out a response. He served exactly where the crowd member told him to and won <laughs> both points. So he concentrated, he focused, but he didn't lose that mercurial flair and and you know the Point things that we, the, the, what we love about Kyrgios he still had that that cheeky grin um uh, and that 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 relaxed approach but played some superb tennis I, th- I think you're right the the two aren't mutually exclusive he could be focused to a degree off the court you know I think there's we're talking about degrees of focus here, right? There's there, there's differences between you know getting back to your hotel room at nine o'clock at night and and watching videos and tapes of your opponent for the next day and all the rest of it, and there's a difference between doing that and getting on FIFA until two in the morning or going to the dog and fox before your match against or going Nizar. to the dog and fox. So, <laughs> so I think I think from a from a curious fans point of view, we'd say don't don't lose the the flair. Don't lose the stuff that we love, the point of difference that you, know, that you the are. The chair keep, thrown on court and anger. Us, keeps us interesting. And, yeah. you know, are you joking, Brew? And all that kind of uh, you yeah. know, stuff that he does. But, yeah, maybe fewer late-night FIFA sessions and fewer um, fewer pub sessions would be, you know, he gets to enjoy his tennis a bit more because yeah. when it's on, it's on. And we all love that. But but we don't need to talk about Kyrgios. We've talked about Kyrgios plenty. Uh, anybody else that you see stopping Djokovic? No. In 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 a in 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 short. So what do you what odds what odds would you accept for for Novak to win the US? Oh God, I'm not very. Would well, you at... think he's on? He can't be on. Odds on to win it. What do you mean? Well, in terms of it can't be like a negative bet. You get more than your money. Oh yeah, you would get more than your money. I think, but I mean, it would be it would be two or three to one, wouldn't it? Uh, I've no idea what the odds are. I haven't looked. Not massively interested in sports betting at the moment, but the. Uh, uh, but but yeah, you 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 put your money on Djokovic. Well, I mean, it sounds like we're strangely it's in agreement then. Yeah. Uh, then Bob's, which is probably quite a nice point to end on. Indeed. Well, uh, apologies that it was such a, a long intermission between episodes, but thanks again for listening and uh, and do get in touch with your views on. 
um, who you who you think could challenge Djokovic uh, at the US Open. Um, so do get in touch on Twitter and Instagram at the Grand Slam Pod, um, and also on um, uh, via email the Grand Slam Pod at gmail dot com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so thanks again for listening to the Grand Slam Tennis Podcast. Thank you.